Matthew, Matthew, Matthew. Mark, Mark, uh, Mark. Yeah, oh, lovely. I've got something in common with the cleansing power of fire, and that's when it when it comes to five-star reviews, I cannot be reasoned with. Um, so, yeah, so leave five-star reviews. I, I, I'm you not have really... to be satiated at all costs. Yes, I do, yes. So that includes joining all the bits, you know, the bits, the social media bits. And uh, Facebooks, Instagrams, all those things. Follow me on Instagram. Nobody ever comes onto Instagram. Uh, you never know. I might put a hilarious picture on there one day. Um, I might. Uh, what else do everyone need to do? That's it, isn't it? Oh, Patreon. <laughs> yeah, if uh, if anyone fancies throwing a, a few few pounds our way to, I don't know, buy LSD, leather or chainsaws, then... You know, we'd, we'd be greatly appreciative and we'll reward you with a little bit of bonus content. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'd be really good bonus content if we've got LSD in us. Hmm. Something to think about. Hello everyone and welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast and the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. Now what are horror sandwiches I hear you ask? Well, it's a delightful movie filling surrounded by two slices of bready chatty goodness. Like I've said before, if you don't like bread, it's not real bread anyway, so don't worry about your old gluten intolerances because this is a lovely made up sandwich just for you. Um, If you are gluten intolerant, this, this is the bread for you, metaphorical bread. Yeah, metaphorical bread. Oh, the best kind of bread. Anyway, that voice you can hear is um, <laughs> Matthew, and my name's Mark. I've, oh, I got confused there because uh, I've, 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 I've yeah, you've, I saw an opening and I took it. I've, I've yeah, messed with the format. I, I apologise greatly. Throw me off. Yeah. So this week we're bringing back yet another classic sandwich with a guest, and our guest this week is Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello. How are you today? I'm, uh, I'll be honest, I've been better. All right. Um, I'm tired. Mm. Feeling a bit drained. Yeah. Long day at work. It's been a tough week. But, um, you know, I watched... I'm pumped uh, for podcasting. I'm pumped for podcasting because I watched a horrifically disturbing film. <laughs> that's that's the I kind of like. Work, I finished work and within five minutes of logging out, I sat down with my fiance, who was uh, who's ill today. Who's, so, who's no longer your fiance after this? <laughs> yeah, I, and uh, we watched um, we watched a, a very very disturbing film. So I'm uh, I'm, I'm great grateful for the opportunity to, uh, in a therapeutic way, get it off my chest. Yes, you know what? I'll be looking forward to talking about this week's film. Um, there's no need to be coy about it. It's Mandy. Everyone knows that's the title of the episode. Um, I am looking forward to watching it. But obviously, there's a little bit of preamble first. So I've got a thought. I've got a horror-related thought that I'm going to talk to you about. Okay, um, then. Sounds so, good. So this week, I watched... Um, well, 
the backstory to this is that every so often the my my phone says, oh, this film's the scariest film made in years. And I always fall for it and go watch it. Uh, so I watched Viking Wolf on Netflix, um, which is where Wolf's movie, movies go, was pretty fine. But I noted that I think the werewolf, and I think either agree or disagree, seems to be the most sympathetic of the monsters. Every werewolf movie I can think of there's probably our others. It's, they're the most melancholy ones. Um, um, mm. it, it, it oh, seems... the human most of the time, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think it's that sort of uncontrollable, you know, uh, no, they didn't choose to be that. But the vampire is often that too, but it's very rarely seen as a sort of sympathetic character, whereas... Um, the werewolf tends to have that, you know, all the way from the wolf man, it was all very, you know. I guess Frankenstein kind of has that sympathy, doesn't it, as well? Hmm. He didn't ask for it, did he? No, he was just made. I think that's the thing. You can you can empathize a lot more with people who, you know, I, it'd be a different kettle of fish if sort of the guy who became a werewolf was a rapist or something in real life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it does. It does often in movies happen to people who don't deserve it. Well, ruining Viking Wolf. It's actually not a little girl, but a teenager, and um, you know, it was fine. You know, as movies go, it was one of those. Probably, I knew it's spooky, really, but it did make me think that you know that Wolf Man, American Wolf in London, all that stuff. It's a very melancholy monster, and. Uh, I don't. I, I guess I like it. I don't know. I don't know anything. Uh, yeah, it's what what we do in the shadows was. They uh, they, they even had to have a support group because you're all so sad. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. Actually, I think the werewolves in Harry Potter are arseholes. Um, but, I think yeah. one one of them an arsehole and one of them quite nice. I think one of them's oh, all right, yeah, isn't it? That's true. Yeah, David Thewlis. Oh, he's yeah. lovely. I forgot about that. Oh, so actually that's different as well. Like you just said, Joe, if they're an arsehole in real life, then fuck them. Well, this is it. I think that's why uh, you don't often see them. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's been bubbling in my brain and now I've said it. Um, Let's get into making this sandwich. Yeah. So we've, uh, yeah, we've got, we've got some nice questions for you here, Joe. Good, good. Uh, I mean, you know them because we asked you beforehand because it'd be, be a tough ass to just get you to uh, answer these on the hoof. Yeah, I don't think I could have uh, coped with that. Yeah, no, I've got, I've got so, a few, uh, got a few thoughts, a few ideas. So I'm going to start with one of our, our favourite ones. Uh, and what is the best kill in a horror film? So I've had to double up my answers on this. Um, oh, I've another... got more than one. It's fine. We like no, no, me. sorry. I, what I mean to say is, uh, it's the same answer for this question as it is another question later on. Ooh. Yeah, so there's a connection there. Um, I'm not a big horror film watcher, if I'm being completely honest. I like films. Uh, but one of my favourite deaths in a horror film is uh, from the film 13 Ghosts. Have you ever seen that? We have. Oh, we, we did an episode on it. Did you know? Well, that's one yeah. that I would have known if I'd have, uh, if I'd had a look through. I'd write, I'll, so, uh, th- this is for us to guess then, seeing as we know the film. And Yeah. Uh, I've, I've got one in my head, Mark. I, I'm, I reckon you've got the same one. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's does it, does it involve a door? It, it does, in fact. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A, a sort of see through like a perspex door. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Probably not perspex, but probably something a little bit sharper. So, so yeah, for anyone who hasn't seen it, a person basically gets cut in half with a door, but not in the way that you would expect. Mm. It's, um, it's 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 much more satisfying. Yeah, so it, it's sort of the door goes side to side, doesn't it? Separating the front and back rather than mm. sort of in between the eyes, as as would normally be the case. Exactly. I mean, Thirteen Ghosts is there's a special place in my heart for that film, and there always will be for various reasons. But uh, that's the one that stuck out in my mind. Yeah. No, that was oh. a really good one. I'd say that's probably one of the things that really stood out in that film. I think mm. it, it's the best. The best bit of the film, isn't it? Definitely. Mm-hmm. If it was just that part, I think the film would actually be uh, markedly imp- improved. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, well, yeah, just, just ninety minutes of constantly people getting cut in <laughs> half. I'm thinking the same, the, the same person, almost stuck in an automatic door. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just being gnawed on. Well, you turn it on, you get that for ten seconds, and then it's it ends. Yeah, more or yeah, less. That would make that film better. Yeah. Hmm. Well, to be honest, I think this. I'm, I'm thinking now we're going to have to. When I ask you the questions, mm-hmm. think that you what you've got for the. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm going to have to think what what this answer is for the duplicate. Okay. So I'm going to take a guess straight away. I'm going to ask, is it for best effects? Um, no, it's not actually. Ooh, however, however, it's uh, <laughs> it is. It is a spectacle. It's not the best, in my opinion. So, so what have you got for uh, for your best or standout effects, then? Uh, it's another one that I'm, I'm imagining you've probably already done a, an episode on. Uh, it's it's the thing. No, we it's... haven't got to the thing yet. No. Ah, okay. Well, uh, yeah, it's it's remarkable. It's it's grotesque. It's horrible. Um, you know, all all sort of prosthetics, very gooey, mm. but. Uh, but no, I, I just think it's exceptionally well done. You've got to watch it through the through the eyes of somebody watching that at the time. You know that that was it, there, there wasn't really anything else like it. I don't think was there. I mean, I'm not I'm well, not we, an expert, but we've got a uh, you know with, with this answer, we've got two regular answers that we get for this. Okay, and and the thing the thing is one of them, and yeah. the other is uh, American Werewolf in London, mm-hmm. and and um, both of them they're, they're around the same time, aren't they? And, uh, we we classify them as the quote unquote correct answers because good <laughs> good yes you've achieved so spectacular yeah 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 it's it's remarkable I mean I I haven't seen the thing in in years but um no it's it stayed in my mind it's embedded in my psyche those those scenes yeah and I don't even think you need to look at it through that lens of you know back then because those effects hold hold up like there's no there's no you know, the, possibly in some cases better than modern effects. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's that whole thing, isn't there, about overuse of CGI, for instance, and how it actually looks worse. You compare it to, you know, lighting and things seem a bit off and, and stuff. It, it's it's the same. It's yeah. It, it still does hold up. Yeah, it still makes you wince, doesn't it, when you watch it? Oh yeah, it's so gross. It's, it's, and... it's achieved its objective. It's gross, and it doesn't make you lose that. It doesn't make you lose the sense of 
not wonder, but being sort of lost in the movie. It doesn't take you mm. out of the movie, is what I mean. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah browsing thing. Twitter, I saw a, uh, a Comic Con or some, some place where a guy, uh, well, two guys, had cosplayed as McCready and the thing in one of its <laughs> various transformation incarnations. And it was, I'll have to try and find it so we can share it because it, it really was a uh, like incredible bit of work for a, for a cosplayer. Mm. I mean, do you get professional cosplayers? Cause if you do the, these chaps, they, they should be professional. Yeah. I think, well, you can, in, you can be an Instagram influencer cosplay person. So I suppose, yeah, why not? I missed out. Could have been could have been my job that. Except I, I don't really like cosplay, but uh, no. personally, so. I've, I've I've never seen eye to eye with it myself either. I don't trust it. Fair enough. I'm just gonna let that dangle because I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, moving on then. What? Uh, well, actually, this is one that uh, I know. I know you're a music man yourself. So, what would you say is the best score from uh, or soundtrack from a horror film? Oh, it's uh, oh bloody hell! I didn't prepare for this one, but I know it. I've got an answer. It's it's that film. Um, oh, what's it bloody called? First first person perspective of a serial killer. It's called like Maniac, I think. Maniac, like yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic soundtrack. Mm. It's, it's truly haunting. Um, I remember once listening to that. It came on on a playlist because I, I used to da- um, obtain legally all of my music and uh that was actually one of the playlists i downloaded and uh yeah i was listening to it on my way to work one day and it was a bit disconcerting i sort of felt like i was gonna it's gonna explode you know what i mean <laughs> well not quite but uh, it is a good it is a good, <laughs> it is a good soundtrack I mean. no it's brilliant it's really good it's uh, it, yeah synthy and cool it just works yeah, uh, which which maniac is it? Because it is a film that's uh, there's been quite a few of them. It's got the guy in it who's um, he's got the uh, strange eyes. I can't remember the actor's name. Is it the uh, the Elijah Wood one? That's the one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Frodo Baggins on a rampage. Yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He's scalping people. <laughs> that would oh, have uh, would have really made a mess of Sauron if you actually did that. In the film. <laughs> I just watched that one recently, actually, having watched the uh, 80s one. And uh, it's not bad, actually, as remakes go. Um, mm. But I prefer the 80s one. I've not seen the 80s one. I'll have to, um, I'll have to give that one a try. Mm. Yeah, it's worth a go. I just found it really, yeah, it was just, it was, it was haunting. Just, and the film was so, so disturbing. Well, then, yeah. let's uh, move on to a film that probably would, wouldn't be disturbing or at least if it is disturbing for the wrong reasons uh, what is the uh, the worst horror film that you can remember uh, um i think the remake of it um, <gasps> i didn't i didn't enjoy it particularly i don't know what it is about those kind of films it's a, it's a little bit like uh What's the one with all the eight kids in the eighties? It's a series. Uh, Stranger Things. Stranger Things. That's the one. Um, it's stuff like that. It just it gets on my nerves. That I feel like, like what like with Stranger Things, for instance, it, it it's very heavily reliant on that eighties aesthetic, which I know is sort of its IP. It's its thing. 
not IP, you know, it's 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 its selling point. Mm. But I just I don't know, there's, there's something about it I just makes me it's a bit sickly. I get a bit bored with it. And I had the same feelings with it. I, I couldn't enjoy it. It's a me problem. It's probably a fine film. But, uh, well, we, we are fans of it here, aren't we? So, Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I love a controversial take. Yeah, and everyone's entitled to their own opinion and, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's probably... It's probably Regardless incorrect. of how wrong those opinions are. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll happily <laughs> say, say it's, it's probably incorrect. It's my own hang-up, but... Uh, no, no, because yeah. I, because you, you, you brought your point over across, and and I can see, I, I can see what you mean, um, especially that first one. I mean, it's obviously based around the book, but it is very sort of, um, is it is it nineties that one's set in though, isn't it, or is it the eighties? Oh no, it is the eighties, isn't it? Uh, I think it's around that that. I think turn it is, between the two. It's yeah, I think it is. The yeah. 80s, yeah. It's not. It's not. I'm not being fair, really, because it's um, obviously a remake, isn't it, as well, of that time. But no, it's just for, for me. It wasn't. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't enjoy it particularly. You, you, you completely lack in nostalgia. Yeah. Well, I mean, I find it hard. I, I was. I was born in 1992, so I find it hard to be nostalgic about the 80s. The 80s. Yeah. Stop harking back, everyone. Look forward. <laughs> Sick of it. <laughs> We live in a golden age. Yeah, I don't want to know any more, <laughs> any more shows set in the past. Get it. Present day. Or the future. The future is all I'm interested in. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and what once, yeah, once it gets to the point where the film has moved past the date, burn it. Just get rid of all prints. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, get rid of everything everything. That's why I hate films like Lord of the Rings set in the olden days. <laughs> oh, you brought me yeah. back round with hating Lord of the Rings because I also hate Lord of the Rings. So, Do you yeah. actually hate Lord of the Rings? Genuinely? Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank God. Yeah, I can't be. I can't be asked with it. No, <laughs> me neither. I keep looking. I keep looking at it, going, maybe I should rewatch it. But every time I do, I think, oh, what's the point? And you guys are into horror films as well, and it's it's not frightening, is it? It's not like Maniac. No, no, it's not. <laughs> It's not frightening. Well, I mean, I like everything. Do I? Whatever. But still, though, I, I, yeah, again, I, I can't, just can't be bothered with it. I don't know. I don't know what it's a me problem again. Probably, you know, whoever it was that wrote it, very talented. But uh, it's not for me. Well, um, let's uh, well, let's park the questions for now, then, and we will talk about a film and wonder if that is is one for you okay so as as previously alluded to we are talking about mandy uh, which is a film from 2018 mm-hmm. and it is directed by panos cosmatos who also wrote it along with aaron stewart arn and it's a fairly sizable cast but we've only got three real main players in this. I'm only going to list them. Uh, so we've got our, our good friend and hero, Nicolas Cage, playing Red. Andrea Riseborough, playing Mandy. Uh, and Linus Roach, who plays Jeremiah Sand. And on a budget of $6 million, it 
only box office at 1.6 million. So, mm. uh, well, feels like a flop, but it got certainly over here. I don't even think it got a theatrical release, uh, but built up a real head of steam cult following like immediately. Uh, so it, it's had a lot of success despite that modest uh, box office return. Uh, so, and I'm just going to reach for my phone because when I was looking at IMDb to get all the information, I saw the synopsis of it and I just thought it, it sounded perfect. And if you wanted to sell anyone the film, you would just read this to them. Uh, so the synopsis from IMDb reads, the enchanted lives of a couple in a secluded forest are brutally shattered by a nightmarish hippie cult and their demon biker henchman, propelling a man into a spiralling, surreal rampage of vengeance. Yeah, that's what this film is. It's uh, yeah, yeah, spot on. Hmm. So, full marks all round. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, that was the easiest one we've done. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Right. But that's no, serious. Let's uh, let's have a chat about it. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna let Mark kick us off for this one. What do you reckon? Yeah, um, let's see. Uh, well, it's good. <laughs> um, and one of the things I really want to pick out is the use of color that's in the film, um, especially sort of early on and then later on. There's a sort of mid part where it sort of breaks out, but. Would you say it's got a hue? It's got a sort of a hue, wasn't it? Hmm. Um, I well, I'm terrified of the color purple after watching this film. <laughs> oh, really? And um, yeah, so it has that sort of the early dolls when it's sort of more calm. It's got this sort of blue, purpley sort of color, and then later on, it 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 goes sort of red. But I like the way that I like the way that that's done. Um, and it gives it this sort of weird feel. The, the one thing I'd say about this film is it's got a weird feel all the way through. Um, I feel like it is, it does have something to say, but and it is. Um, see, where is it set? This film, what, where is it supposed to be? I'm actually um, not sure. It's like Virginia or something. Uh, well, the. Uh... Mandy does say when she's talking in the uh, the gas station that they live on Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah, she does say that. She does say a that. Nice little nod mm. to uh, our, our good friend Jason. It feels like a, maybe that first part, but when it drops into the second part, it feels like it's in hell. Um, and I don't know whether that's intentional. And certainly when you look at the like last shot of the film, which I guess we'll get to later, it feels like they've dropped out of the plane of reality and into something else. Um, into the trip. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's yeah. the... That, the it's a strange one in that it feels like it's got a few of these little bookmarks here and there, doesn't it? Where it just goes, right. I'm not a dramatic turn in how he's doing because they all feel sort of of a piece of each other. It's more like marks where it very clearly ramps up a point or uh, actually, no, I think it's always ramping up a point. 
and something is going to become like more violent, more crazy, or and like you say, it's that kind of descent and the location start changing and going wild, mm. or like the color palette starts changing, or just we get introduced to characters. It, like you're dragged around so much all the time with this thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it takes a, 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 you know, like I said before, a trip into the weird, but it's also, I'd say a very fucking metal movie in it. It's very metal. Mm. Well, the whole <laughs> thing is, yeah, is taken all of its aesthetic cues from eighties prog and heavy metal. <laughs> it's... Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you know what? I don't slate it for that, despite what I said earlier. I, I actually think it does it well. Uh, oh, I see. I, 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 I can, I'm picking and choosing here, but uh, I thought it was superb. Stylistically, well, think, you know. Like, there isn't... Like, there isn't anything to say it's nostalgia, is there, though? No, that's true. There's, there's a, a time setting in this. Uh, like I wouldn't have known instinctively that this was a film set in the eighties because it could be set any time. You know, mm. there's kind of a a thing developing now where a time frame is just assigned whether the characters need mobile phones or not to keep the plot going. <laughs> right, yeah. And when they don't have them, it could just be a lot of the time. Could just be any time. And and this is that. It's just. You could have easily said that this film were present day and the characters just don't happen to use modern technology and you'd be mm. you'd be fine. Yeah, I mean there aren't any sort of like obvious predictable throwbacks or anything, are there? It's uh it's sort of in its own time. Mm. Yeah. I, I think aside from maybe odd glimpses of what's going on on the television. There's no, mm. uh, to be honest, I, until you said, Matthew, I didn't even know it was set in the eighties. I didn't want even thinking about it. Um, yeah. I think like you said, there is that little bit of the television and stuff. And there was, I think there was, there was something about music and stuff as well in there that was, that was given a, a cue, but there's very little to say that it's, set any around any particular time uh i think it mostly just comes from like we said just that aesthetic you know that mm. feeling yeah. of of heavy metal mm. goblin yeah. cheddar goblin cheddar exactly yeah i don't know it's like um while i was watching this for the second time i got this distinct feeling that it's not even it's not even set in our reality it's outside of it's outside of whatever reality is because um aside from really like small views of it there's very little you know sign of humanity you know there's hmm. bits of stuff here and here and there and you know at one point she is working in, in a store but that's like almost like the small smallest amount of it but then when you get into it you just there's very little, you know, 
seeming like I said, humanity. It's very um outside of that and everything seems jagged and I just I just really felt like this time when I was watching it that it's set outside outside of our reality. And and to a degree, like I said earlier, I feel like part of it is is set in in hell, really. Mm. Are there any characters in this film or, you know, any just people in it that aren't directly related to the plot, you know, that directly involved in the story? No, I don't think so. No, no. And, and very few, uh, well, um, Nicholas Cage's character is never referred to. I mean, we, we know it's called red, but nobody ever refers to him um, in name at all. Um, and, I'm not even convinced that the titular Mandy, as you were, is called Mandy, because I don't know where that name comes from. Um, she's only referred to twice by people who don't know her. So mm. um, that's all very, very vague as well. The only person who's specifically got a real name that I can remember is Jeremiah. Um, and Yeah, I mean, the court refer to themselves as like brother and sister, Mm, yeah, and, and the names don't. Mm. Well, that's actually kind of something that goes along with, with with what you were saying about whether it's set outside of reality. Because I mean, it, I don't think it really would hold up if you put it through because the perspective changes and everything. But the the first bit of the film starts out as this. It's actually quite a pleasant sort of dreamy romance, isn't it? You know, mm. uh, but then the events of the film start, and then there's just a title card for the the cult that just comes up apropos of nothing, and then the like the aesthetic changes, and and all the events of the films sort of drive up and start happening. You know, do you think that that? kind of lends credence to, you know, maybe this is all happening within this cult's LSD trip. Mm, yeah. Could, yeah. Could well be. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it, it's very, very dreamy. Like you said, obviously descends into nightmare territory rather quickly, but, uh, you know, I, I think that definitely could be uh, a theory for it. Well, I think the, uh, one thing that did surprise me this time, uh, which I, I didn't remember from the first time I watched it, was just how long it actually takes Nicolas Cage to get involved in this film. Because, <laughs> mm. uh, you know, he's around and we see him, you know, a bit here and there, don't we? Uh, but it's like an hour before he starts becoming the central character of the film. Right. When he, when yeah, he does, yeah. he... When he does, he does that. I mean, that. Oh, he does. He yeah. That, he, that he, screaming relapse scene in the <laughs> in the seventies decor toilet. Fantastic. Yeah, he he does more in that hour than most people do in a whole career. But yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> like you know the film is called Mandy. It's it's about Mandy, and you know we kind of have an entire story told. Like just in the first hour of the film, and then the second hour is is basically the sequel. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't say Mandy until an hour and 15, and then it flashes up with the word Mandy. An hour and 15 in, which I thought was, well, because it popped up and I'm like, that's weird. (laughs) Check the time. But uh, actually, I think we should dip into the plot a little bit more than than we have. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realise there was one. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it's... well, there are bits that, um, you know, so it's such a hard, it's not a hard plot really, is it? Because like you said for the explanation, that's what happens. But I think there are bits like, um, you know, when this cult show up and they sort of, they get these bikers who you summon with an ocarina Um which is yeah, weird. Yeah, sort of, uh, yeah, bikers who are messed up by some portent LSD. Uh, so they're, they're given a cult member in exchange for capturing Red and Mandy on behalf of this cult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's not that the plot is, is complicated or hard to describe or anything. It's just something that I don't think anyone would believe as if we told them. It's very, uh, yeah, it's I, I, it's tongue-in-cheek, isn't it? At least I, I, I got that impression. I feel like uh, it, the, the plot's secondary to the experience. Yeah. Well, it... I, I kind of felt with this film that the whole thing is every single decision that's made, whether that's plot, uh, you know, lighting, set design, everything, you know, right down to the off-screen stuff, you know, with Mm. casting and whatnot. Everything, decisions been made by everyone involved in this is when there is a decision, what is either like the coolest, the Mm. weirdest, the the most off-putting, and they've just, every turn they've taken is left. And it's so great because of that. Mm. You know, we've, there's a bit, like that, that really highlighted it for me is where he, he goes into the uh, the drug maker's house, you know, and he goes into this this drug lab, and there's a tiger there mm. for like no reason at all, <laughs> and the the it's all set around this sort of cave complex area, isn't it? Yeah, but they've they've got these strip lights above the head that light up down the path to him. And when the drug, uh, you know, the, the cook or, you know, drug maker, he hears Nicolas Cage come in and he reaches for a gun. And you just think in 99 out of 100 other films, that gun would just be a very generic handgun. But instead, he reaches for this weirdly shaped gold-plated number. It's a Luger. It's a gold-plated Luger, uh, like a a Nazi Luger is what it is. It's like, (laughs) I can just only assume that they've just gone, what's the weirdest gun that we can find for this? And Definitely. The whole film is like that. You know, you could try to break down every scene in this film and just go, yeah, they just did this because, I don't know, it's weird, it's, it's cool, they wanted to do this, this wacky thing. Yeah. You know, it, there's, there's so much of it. Like I could 
say that literally about any part in this film. It was an experience. I, I yeah, it's it's. I, it always feels really weird to say something like. It always sounds trite to say. Oh, the, like I said earlier, the plot's secondary or whatever. I don't really. I suppose I don't really mean that. What what I mean is it's 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 going for something completely different. It's it's not trying to tell a. It's telling a riveting story with, without the story part of it. It's mm. still it still hooks you. You still want to keep watching, and it's a thrill ride all the way through. Yeah, I mean, I guess the way that I would describe it is that the, the plot is a means to an end, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the plot is essentially John Wick, except it's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, 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 isn't it? It's, it, it's John Wick, but broken. Um, but, uh, I mean, there's another scene I'd particularly like to pick out, which... Um, so they drug Mandy and then Jeremiah's giving her the spiel and um, he's got this long monologue, which is vaguely hard to concentrate on what he's saying. But during the monologue, his face shifts to her face and then back to his own. And it's done. It's done so subtly that you notice it, but it takes you like off guard. It's yeah. It's, so- yeah. So it's so weird because they've got such a similar face shape that it's like it just it just sort of comes out of nowhere despite the fact that it is a slow sort of building to it. It's such a weird it's such a weird scene. Um, mm. But uh, like I say, I, I I got a lot out of it the second the second time round. But I think uh, I'm sort of for me I'm sort of sticking with the theory of. You know, there's there's something out there's something else going on here. Um I wasn't quite sure if Nicolas Cage was actually like the devil himself. Um because he's he carries such a weight of power about him in this film that's so difficult to quantify if if you will, that it's like this thing's happened to him and he's just he just becomes a spirit spirit of like vengeance or even just punishment. Mm. Um, and the bit like you were talking about when he goes to see the, the drug maker guy. And uh, like I say, there's a weird balance of power in that where, you know, you could say that this, this drug guy's more like the top of the food chain, but when he's presented with this blood covered Nicholas cage, he sees that he's, already at a, 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 a losing end. Um, and then, of course, you get the sort of Nicolas Cage escapes the underground and he almost comes out into a red light. Um, so, yeah, it's very... Um, it's really... It, it's... I mean, there's there's definitely religious imagery there. You know, the... Uh, well, it's blatant at, at certain Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of that not so much that he's the devil, but that he's that he's Jesus, though. <laughs> I mean, that's that's where mm. it's kind of pointing towards. You know, they they, they stab him in the side, uh, you know, which is right, you know, yeah. That the wounds that, that Jesus had, and they, they've got that. Uh, they, they tie his mouth up with barbed wire, which mm. kind of harkens to that crown of thorns idea. It's very true, um, and and he doesn't seem to struggle, does he? In, in many of the fights, or, or if he does struggle, it's not for long. 
I feel like he does sort of he, he overpowers people very very easily. Right. Yeah. He's 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 always the sort of you you he's always going to come out on top, which is which yeah. is good. Um, but it's done sort of quickly. Like normally, there's a lot of faffing around, isn't there, in a fight scene where you you know they're, they're, they're trying to keep you on edge. But no, you sort of like I feel like every fight he went into, barring maybe the first one or two, and you're sort of still getting a feel for it. I was fairly confident he was gonna, yeah, like, right, yeah. Like, dominate them. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't really on the edge of my seat. But that's not in a bad way, because um, it was cool. It's almost like they just gave you what they gave the audience what what they knew they wanted. Yeah, know? I don't want to see Nicholas Cage struggle in these fights. I want to see as many different cool fights as possible. Yeah, right, so, yeah you can imagine yeah. that you know he's, he's struggle. You know, maybe on a, a couple of them more and then you'd, you'd lose a couple for the, the run time. Hmm. And if you run the risk of Nicolas Cage lighting a cigarette on the severed burning head of a strung out LSD <laughs> leather demon biker or getting into a full on chainsaw sword fight, like you'd, you'd lose out so much. Yeah. They've just like they've got the best fit. It's like it's like it was made by somebody who knew what they wanted to see, and, and they knew what they wanted to see, and, and it was a they good knew picture. what I wanted to see anyway. Oh, damn right! I mean, yeah, it pretty much it was such a satisfying, it was a satisfying experience overall. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go watch it again though now and just and then with a keener eye for the the uh, the Jesus parallels. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think the Jesus parallel is quite a quite an interesting one. Uh, I guess I just I really went the other the other way because it was so. Um, but I mean, I suppose the uh, there are other parts of it. Like, isn't am I right in thinking the four horsemen show up when um, when Jesus comes back? Is that right? Uh, well, yeah, that's one of the signs of the apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, and the bikers have vaguely got that going on, um, sort of. <laughs> yeah, they're very demonic, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I would. I do want to say, though, that there are some good funny moments, though, uh, all based on Nicolas Cage dialogue. Um, one is when uh, the one of the bikers says to him, you have a death wish, and he just goes... I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, and then he's like, "You ripped my shirt. That's my favorite shirt." And it just like it, it really, it doesn't take you out of the situation, but it <laughs> actually adds to that power. Like I said, that he's like he's in this situation where he's got something driven through his hand, and yet he doesn't give a fuck. It's very human in a way as well. Like even though it's it's that those are obviously quite exaggerated things to say in a scenario like that, it's still quite human. And there's another line of his dialogue was um, when uh, when he goes to pick up his crossbow from his mate at the uh, in the caravan. I think he basically said this surprised me at the time. He, he asks what's been going on, and he just gives an extremely matter of fact, blunt description like there's these fucking crazy, you know, guys are, are out trying to get me. They look really gnarly and stuff. He, he just gives them a matter of fact description. There's no like fluff to the dialogue or nonsense where it's like, oh man. I, the light of my life's gone out. I've lost my love. You know, it's nothing like this. He just says exactly what's happening. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was a breath of fresh air. It was sort of, yeah, straight to the point. And also the, the, the other guy's not fussed either. He's just like, oh, this seems, 
this seems legit. Oh yeah, I know those bikers you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I and everyone's everyone's so bizarre looking as well. I thought he was an interesting looking guy. They they it's so well cast. That it's it, everybody looks like a freak. <laughs> I mean, even his his like ghoul wife. That's <laughs> Mandy. Mandy, she's she's terrified from the offset. That's true. She is actually. I mean, not in a complimentary way. Like she, she you know, it's terrified. deliberate. They've they've done that to Angela Andrea Risebra, who's yeah, a very frequently lovely looking woman. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt at all. But yeah, Jesus Christ, she looks like an oddball. See, I, mm. I've gone for a, a completely different bit for what I found just funny and wacky. It was just like how oddball this cult are. <laughs> like there's a cult leader and, you know, normally we'd be presented with these guys as being, you know, charismatic and interesting and, you know, you can see why they have a following. But this guy is just a whiny bitch who... <laughs> It's unbelievably full of himself, but he's a failed folk musician who plays this awful song. <laughs> uh, you know, kidnaps and drugs a woman, and when he tries to do the whole big show and dance of trying to woo her and sleep with her, she just laughs in his face and just highlights how pathetic he is. And and then you know they just goes on on his little act of revenge before you're know, sparking into the motion the rest of it just because he's you know he's, he's been turned down by this this woman who he basically date raped you know with, without mm. doing the you know the worst bit of it and it's like and then we get the guys behind him who are also just deliberately being oddballs <laughs> but also following this <laughs> Yeah. This real pathetic dweeb. And it's like insane how you know we're supposed to believe that this is a cult leader, but also at the same time, like we said, fits absolutely perfectly. They're not all like hippies either. There's like what what one's like a, a, a I don't know what, like a, a slack jawed sort of surfer looking guy with a mullet. And then there's someone yeah, he's just, just like there. So- Basically, putting like weights in his lower lip to just look as dumb as possible in it. Yeah, it? and then there's then there's the other guy who's just someone's dad. Yeah, he, I, he I, looks I, like you know just the guy that you know from the office. Yeah, <laughs> it's not your typical. It's it's a proper ragtag bunch of people, isn't it? Yeah, and and then we're supposed to believe that they're in cahoots with these insane dangerous heavy metal biker guys <laughs> Keeping them and, and it works it works perfectly despite how ridiculous it is mm, yeah yeah it's 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 a surprising film that just um drags you in uh, i'd say i think if i'm honest if i was going to pick a criticism at it i don't really like that sort of first eh, maybe about 15 minutes where it's all dreamy and weird and nothing's going on and they're talking about who's your favorite planet um mm. but when it when it starts going it's just a ride you know it's just a really great ride but i think if i was going to pick fault that that'd be it that'd be the only bit uh it's just slow to start i did roll my eyes a few times at that that opening bit if i'm being honest i agree with you there 
um it was sort of like the setup was necessary in a way but yeah some of the dialogue was a bit naff i you know i didn't like as well i didn't like the animated sequences i thought they were really they were too out of place but uh, um, i really liked them i mean i liked them from an artistic perspective they were they were very well done but mm. they were a bit jarring i mean the whole film was fucking jarring wasn't it but like, that's what made <laughs> it good but uh i don't know that's me being re i'm really pushing for criticism there yeah, well, I was, I was too, because I, I, but you know, I always feel like you've got to add a little bit of something. Mean, there's got to be something yeah. about it that you don't like. Uh, well, the other part of it I don't like is I don't think you can blacksmith a weapon that quickly. I think it takes a lot more time than that. <laughs> I think you have to let the metal rest for days. I don't think you can just knock one together. But you know, who am I to say? I'm not a blacksmith. You're not Nicholas Cage. Very true. Very true. Um, good music. Good soundtrack. Well, apart from that awful Fox song that uh, I can't, I quite like. I, 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 quite like, like I liked it as well. To be yeah, honest, I quite like that. Well. <laughs> I thought it was it's very trippy. Um, but the music's it's it's sort of synthy in it. Would you say? Yeah, synthy, right. moog, 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 sort of synthy. So it reminded me a bit of like the Clockwork Orange soundtrack in a way. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I enjoyed that part of it. Um, overall, it's pretty good, eh? Yeah. Well, I reckon that wraps us up nicely then and to, uh, to getting on to our, our final criticisms of it. And I, I think there is very little jeopardy as to what we're all going to say. But Oh, well, uh, you never know. Before we, we get to that, let's see what the... Uh, the good folks of the internet have been saying. So uh, our good friends at Rotten Tomatoes, the critics have given a 90% score uh, mm. and the audience a 67% aggregate. Really? Yeah, two, one out of three people don't like this film on Rotten Tomatoes and those people are insane. Uh, and then, yeah, Letterboxd is a 36 uh, and, right. and you know what when I first watched this I, I gave this four stars and uh, I'm, I never change my letterbox scores as a rule because I just kind of think you know it's the first time that you watch it you know you that you give your opinion at the time and then you, you know you oftentimes you think about it and your thoughts on a film develop as time goes on I think this film I need to go back in and fix that because four stars is is not enough for this uh, and I need to confirm my review of this being a creative psychopath and uh, give it five stars there. Mm. Not, uh, so, yeah, we'll just uh, let you know that, Joe, because we do have a three-tier review system here. Okay. So uh, we have shit down at the bottom, mm -hmm. very simple. Uh, in the middle for, you know, an all right film, you know, reasonably good, reasonably not. Uh, we say that it is, ooh, that's spooky. Mm -hmm. And then if it's a film that you feel the way that I feel about Mandy about, you would say that, that film is a creative psychopath. I think that film's a creative psychopath. It's brilliant. I honest, honest to God, I thought it was superb. I, I, had, I watched or read nothing about it going into it. I was recommended to it uh, by a friend, um, but he didn't tell me, he didn't give anything away. And I just watched it and I, yeah. It was a, it was a thrill. 
Very, very good. And uh, and what are you saying, Mark? Yeah, I'm going for a creative psychopath on this one. Um, I'm the same as Joe. I went into this not knowing anything aside from that you had told me that you liked it, but you didn't tell me a single thing about it. So, uh, yeah, this is my this is my second viewing, and um, I think there's I, this might even make it into my ten horror films. You know, top ten horror films. Well, I, I think it may well be in mine now too. Yeah, this this second time, the second time of watching it, and um, I'm really glad this time around that I was able to, you know, where, rightly or wrongly, pick bits out of the story that I'd never really noticed before, and yeah, I was really pleased with that. I'm growing the, as a uh, person. That the the film does make Nicholas Cage's own personal top five list of the films that he's made. Oh, well, good enough for me. That oh. and Wicker Man, I'm sorted. <laughs> he didn't put that in, surprisingly. Oh, well. Has he, got, um, has he got Leaving Las Vegas in there, out of curiosity? I, I don't think he did. I think he, I know for sure he had uh, Mandy and Pig in. Uh, Pig, he says, is his all-time favourite. Uh, the only other one I can remember off the top of my head was Bringing Out the Dead. Bringing Out the Dead. Not raising Arizona I would have. He's done a lot of good films, actually, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean the for for all the uh, the internet uh, celebrity around him, I think people often forget that he's he's a damn good actor when uh, when he wants to be. Oh, he really is. I think there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ironic like for him, and I, I and that and that winds me up. But I I genuinely think he's he's ace. Birdie. That's another one. But he's very young Nicolas Cage in that. That was a wonderful film. I'm going to watch Pig now. Not right now. I'll wait till this is over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, second, second half, third slice of bread. We're just going to do a full commentary on the movie Pig. Except we're not going to talk because I haven't seen it. So. <laughs> anyway, lovely. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. As as we have wrapped up Mandy Talk, then. And and we've been saying that is uh, say one of our our top tens. We'll get on to uh, the the next lot of questions for Joe, and we'll kick them oh. off by asking him what his his top one is. What is your best horror film? Best horror film? Yeah, Thirteen Ghosts. Oh wow! <laughs> it's no no. It's I, I don't know. Do you know what? Right, and this is going to sound very convenient. I don't watch an awful lot of horror films. Um, I actually, I'm, I'm going to put Mandy right at the top. Oh, you've changed your mind. Yeah, 13 Ghosts, it, it's a close second for, for different reasons. It was, it, I, I rented that film when I was about 11 or 12. And it was a moment of pride because my friends and I rented it with no parents around. Ooh. So it was like a, it felt like an achievement. And it was one of those films that we watched at a thousand sleepovers, and yeah, it can't ever be dethroned from my top ten. But I, M- Mandy was just brilliant. I, I, it was a complete, it was a complete joy, beginning to end, fun for all the family, and I'll be buying it for my, my mother on DVD. <laughs> Here you go, mother. I'm sure she'll appreciate it. I'm sure she would. I've met your mum. I bet she would. Oh yeah, she's a 
If it's violent and aggressive, she's in. Hmm? Well, I once just, went to my mum's. I once went to my mum's and she was watching I Spit on Your Grave. So um, <laughs> the remake, though, not the original. But I, either way, I was like, what the hell are you watching this for? Apparently she likes blood and guts. I think the only DVD my mum ever bought was Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing. Oh. She liked liked that Patrick Swayze. Is it as dirty as they say it is? Who knows? Well, we don't have to watch it. Lovely. I mean, for a large part of it, they do it in a river. I don't think I've ever seen it. Notoriously clean places with their flowing water. I can't think I've ever seen it. I know there's something about not putting someone in the corner. Um, yeah, so it's, it. it's parenting advice. Don't put babies in the corner. Don't put babies in the corner. Right, okay. Fair enough. All right. But it's not as good as Mandy. I can promise you that. Oh, Mandy. So, Sorry. Oh, she likes Brian Manilow as well. Sorry, that's that's my mum, that is. No. Oh, okay. We've uh, really but, gone off on a... Yeah, we it. have done... <laughs> If you're listening, Mother, I apologise for telling the world that you're a Barry Manilow fan. Uh, <laughs> so, right then, Joe. So, next one we've got for you, then. Uh, a scary moment from a non-horror film that you remember. Um, yeah, so I, I've had to pick, I couldn't. I was racking my brain about this, and I had to pick a... I picked a recent one. All right. It's, I don't know if it's actually... If it's scary or if it's just disturbing, but I, I watched All Quiet on the Western Front recently. And there's that um, there's that scene where where the main fella meets the French soldier in a foxhole, and uh, they get into a, a fight. Obviously, it's war, um, and the emotional just the turmoil he's in. You guys have seen you've seen that presumably. You seen uh, I have seen it. Yeah, yeah. I, I found that pro- that was one of the most disturbing and terrifying scenes I've watched in a long time. Yeah, it is a, a film that really drives home the the horror of war, isn't it? As, as cliche as that sounds. It, yeah. It's it's never a, never a comfortable watch at any point. No, it's, it's not really. In fact, I probably should have picked a, a lighter example. Um, but uh, yeah, no, yeah, that's, that's, that's my answer for that one. Mm. Well, I mean, if, you know, if we say that we, we like horror films because it, you know, gives us a chance to be, scared and to to witness these these terrible things in a safe environment mm. you know all quiet on the western front is basically a you know bashing around your head saying things aren't always a safe environment mm. and you know we we also talk about how you know a lot of films that we we don't think of as horror they would be if it was happening to you well, yeah, of course. And in, yeah, that's a prime example of that. Stuart mm. Little as well. <laughs> yeah, if you're that absolutely mouse, oh god, fucking terrifying. So actually, now that you said Stuart Little, I actually think this might be the answer to the next question. Uh, but if you could make any non-horror movie into a horror movie, what would you choose? Uh, I, I, there's a few, but uh, the one I've settled on is um, Amelie. <laughs> the 2001 film Amelie. You know uh, I think we we might have had that one before as well. You're joking, yeah. really? I don't. 
Maybe. Do you know that you know the, the plinky plonky happy go lucky kind of candy floss world that this woman lives in, um, making people's lives better as she traipses through. Makes everyone's lives worse. Yeah, it's quite a simple just flip, really. Mm. She, where, I mean, if you look at the title, sorry, the title, the uh, the cover for that film, um, it's quite menacing anyway. She's got quite she a menacing does, look. Yeah, you, you could take that look on her face and, you know, you change the colour scheme a little bit. She's a killer, isn't she? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Or just have the, the entire film exactly the same, except it's uh, a 43-year-old man. <laughs> big hands that sounds like I mean? me <laughs> well it's just it's uh it, it's a very different tone i think it yeah but I'm, I, don't, I don't exactly know how it would work and um maybe she'd go around believing that she was improving everybody's lives but really she's on some kind of like schizoid rampage and she's actually breaking up marriages it's, it's all like a butterfly effect where the long long-term effects of all the good deeds that she's doing is actually creating more misery i like it yeah i think it is a, a properly solid choice cool lovely well done you thank you <laughs> well to be honest i think that wraps us up then for uh for our questions for joe lovely well i appreciate it thank you very much no, you're very yeah, well. Thank you for coming. It has been a pleasure. It and has. thank you for, for giving us such a wonderful film to watch. That's quite yes, all right. It was a delight. Don't thank me. Thank Sam. He recommended it. All right. Okay. Well, I'm, uh, I'm going to take the praise for that then because I told Sam about it. So. Oh, brilliant. Okay. He told so, me about it as well. So, yeah. It's a so I've come round to it just to bring it all back for myself. Yeah, well done, you. Well done. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I'm a legend in my own time. Yeah. Well, yeah, like Matthew said, that's the sort of, um, that wraps us up, really. So uh, we've made the sandwich. We've popped it in a little bag. The bag says all the things that we said in the intro, Facebooks, all the social medias and delightful things like that. And um, all you got to do now is fuck off and eat it. So bye. Enjoy. See you later.